Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of the Raw Prospect Podcast. This is episode 198 for our week eight uh, post or post week eight power rankings. Uh, we do this every two weeks. Uh, if you're new here, we do top 10 power rankings based on how good of a chance said team has to win the Super Bowl. So um, we do this every two weeks. Go through. We each go through our top 10, discuss the teams, discuss the the differences between our rankings. And if you're new here, subscribe to the channel. We're going to continue to do this. Um, share with your friends. And joining me, as always, my co-host, the Stack King himself, Mr. Michael Ween. How you doing, man? Great intro tonight. A lot of people are celebrating in the Arlington, Dallas area as the Texas Rangers won their first World Series title in their 63 years of franchise existence. Congratulations to Bruce Bochy, Corey Seager, Jordan Montgomery, Aroldis Chapman, um, all, I mean, the young guys on that team, Adelise Garcia, Josh Young, Evan Carter. Uh, everything came together the right time, 11-0 on the road this postseason. That's quite incredible. Corey Seager wins his second uh, World Series MVP. He's the fourth player in MLB history to win two World Series MVPs, but the only player to win those two World Series MVPs in each league. He's the only guy to do it in both the National League and the American League, uh, as he did it with the Dodgers three years back, and he does it again with the Texas Rangers. What a great baseball season it was. I know the, this World Series is not going to get the highest ratings. Um, this postseason probably isn't going to get the highest ratings, but we got new blood in, in the championship series. We got new blood in the World Series. Also, congratulations to the Diamondbacks on a great season. I don't think anybody really expected them to get to the World Series. Uh, they did as a, as a six seed. They made a great run. Things kind of fell apart in the end, but that Texas Rangers ball club, um, just they deserved it all the way through. They got it. Congratulations to them. Bruce Bochy is now one of six managers in MLB history that have won four or more um, World Series titles, um, and he's now tied <coughs> with the great Joe Torre who was the manager of the Yankees dynasty back in the early, uh, late 1990s, early 2000s with Jeter and all those guys. So there are other great teams out there. Um, congratulations to everyone who made the postseason. Congratulations to um, everyone on making this what I thought was a very enjoyable uh, baseball season, start to finish, um, except for Rob Manfred. So. With all that being said, um, we can get into our power rankings. Do you have anything you want to say about uh, the Texas Rangers? Well, um, as you all know, if you've been following this channel, I'm getting into baseball this year. But back in the day, I actually was a Texas Rangers fan when they made those two World Series runs. And, um, you know, the little kid in me is, is really just – so excited right now because it feels like after all that time you finally avenged that heartbreak from 2011 
because, I mean, you all know the story. Nelly Cruz with that fly ball, um, misplays it, and then that, the rest is history. But this team, it, it was special, man. It was it was great watching them this this postseason. It feel it felt like, you know, at different points, you know, it felt like the Astros were gonna be unbeatable or the Phillies were gonna be unbeatable, but um, the Rangers got it done. Yeah, it was a great run. Think about what they did. They beat the ninety nine win Tampa Bay Rays in the wild card series. They then go on to sweep the a hundred win. Baltimore Orioles team uh they beat the reigning champions and the kings of the American League for basically the past half decade in seven games after falling down three to two three games to two in the American League championship series and then they go on to win this world series in five games I ultimately thought (coughs) that this world series was going to go six at, at the very least but the Rangers got it done. They were as good as you can be on the road in the postseason. Nate Eovaldi, I keep talking about him. Five and zero this postseason came up big. He he was kind of a bend but don't break pitcher tonight. The, the they got the Diamondbacks got runners on, but but when it was nut crunching time, as they like to say, uh, big big game Nate did what big game Nate does. And that's pitch out of it. Um, and they did what a great team does. Up one nothing. They faced a pitcher in Zach Gallon that was excellent tonight. Uh, what was it? A no-hitter into like the fifth or the sixth inning? Yeah. Um, and um, they're up one nothing. I know if you're a Rangers fan, as I was texting you, and there are, I have other Rangers fans, friends as well. Um, <clears throat> who are from the Arlington area. Um, I know everybody still has that demon deep down inside of them from what happened in 2011. Um, so everyone was kind of hesitant, and understandably so, to start celebrating uh, once, you know, um, they were, what, five, four outs away. Um, but – they come into that ninth inning up one nothing, three straight base hits. <coughs> I think it was Carter who drove in uh, the first two. Yeah, uh, Seager, and, and then broke it, <coughs> and then Simeon uh, with that two run bomb. Um, he was a guy who we talked about in our World Series preview and who struggled for most of this postseason for his standards, but. He basically sealed it right there with that homer to left. So we'll talk more about baseball. We've got a ton of off-season content coming. Of course, I believe it's in five days that free agents can start to sign. And I know, <coughs> excuse me, I know that's pretty soon after the season ends, but that's how it works. So uh, let's. I actually like that a lot. I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem. I, I think I think it's great. But uh, some people do for whatever reason. Um, so let's get into our power rankings for this week. Again, we do this after every even-numbered week. So it's every other week. We're now going into week nine, starting tomorrow uh, with Thursday Night Football. We just had week eight. We did a raw rundown. 
on Monday night. So check that out. <coughs> but let's get into our rankings. Um, I think there was 11 teams for 10 spots. So the 10 spot is especially interesting to me this week. Who do you have to start us off? Um, this week I've got the Jaguars staying in the 10 spot. I think I've had the Jags in the 10 spot three, uh, three iterations of this episode in a row. And it's not like they've been stagnant either. They're playing really good football right now. And this, in this week in particular, they got Calvin Ridley back involved. Their defense has been really consistent. Um, it, the, the knock I guess you could have is, you know, there's, it feels like there's another level this offense could get to, you know, based on the firepower they have. Um, you'd like them to be a little bit more consistent, but that's really nitpicking. Um, I think when it really comes down to it, um, picking between them or my number 11 team or would be number 11 team, the Seahawks, I just trust Trevor Lawrence more. Um, and I think the defense has been really impressive. Josh Allen has been really impressive. Um, and I think really all 10 teams in this ranking for me, at least, um, and, and probably for you as well, you can make the argument for them winning a Super Bowl or making a run for me at number 10. And I, had the same thing, by the way, I, I had the Seahawks right on the outside looking in, uh, at number 11, <clears throat> but I went with the Cincinnati Bengals. They, Really, for the first time this year, looked like a true bona fide Super Bowl contender last week against the San Francisco 49ers. What they've done the last month or so has been impressive. They've won three or four games um, in that time span. <coughs> Joe Burrow leads the NFL in passer rating with a 111.8. And Jamar Chase has been the featured guy in this offense. Uh, averaging 124 receiving yards per game. Remember, there was a time earlier this season when the Bengals were kind of struggling. I believe they were 1-3, 2-3, where Jamar Chase came out after one of those games and said, I'm always open or something along those lines. Always uh, fucking open is what he said. Yeah, yeah. and since then, man, he's uh, he's been one of the great receivers that we have today in today's NFL. Last week, they got Joe Mixon involved. I still think they need to get T. Higgins more involved. They need another guy in this offense to step up a little bit. I want to see what they do uh, this Sunday night going up against the Buffalo Bills. Can they follow it up with another victory over another Super Bowl contender? I really like this defense. Um, Trey Hendrickson, of course, hopefully he's not banged up too much. I think he went out of the 49ers game for a little bit, but then came yeah. back. This pass rush with DJ Reader up front. Uh, like their linebackers, too. Um, What's-his-name had a couple picks. In Logan Wilson. Logan Wilson in the Niners game. Love Louie Arumo and what he's proven to be as a defensive coordinator, especially in the playoffs. I, I've always been a big fan of Mike Hilton in that secondary. I just think he's a really solid player. I think the Bengals are a really solid team, and I think you can absolutely make the argument for them to be higher. But for right now, I have them at the 10 spot. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. I, I have them a little bit later on. But um, for me at number nine, I had the Detroit Lions 
Um, it's really tough to gauge right now for the Lions. You know, they had their breakout game from Jameer Gibbs. That's that's the biggest development from the Lions <coughs> world, I guess, for over these last few weeks. You've Jameer Gibbs has arrived. And now you get into the bye week, you get David Montgomery back. Um, I think at that point, you feel really comfortable – where you're at in terms of your division. Now it's just about, you got about eight games here on their schedule that are extremely winnable in my opinion. And they're going to be in a really good spot in terms of getting a high seed in the NFC. Yeah. I, I went a little bit different direction, but I hear you on that. Um, at my number nine spot, I have the Buffalo bills sitting at five and three. Um, First, we should mention that, number one, I think they helped their secondary out a little bit at the trade deadline with sort of an underrated move, getting Rasul Douglas from the Green Bay Packers. Um, over the past three years, Rasul Douglas, 10 interceptions, and he's allowed a 78.05 uh, passer rating over the last three years. He's just been a really solid player. He's a veteran player. And I think they do need another guy in that secondary. They got him for pretty cheap. Um, so kind of a low risk, maybe high, high reward move. Um, when you look at this defense, they were a defense that in the first four weeks of the season, uh, they were fourth in the league in defensive EPA per play. Um, but then they lose Matt Milano, unfortunately. They lose Tredavious White. With the Achilles injury, it feels like, unfortunately, it might just be the year of Achilles injuries for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, Daquan Jones with that pectoral injury on the interior of that defensive line, they've been banged up. Uh, that's the scariest part for this Buffalo Bills team is those injuries. But everything else, man, um, I know they haven't looked great in some of these fourth quarters, closing out games. But they really, I mean, controlled that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last Thursday night. Um, they they beat down on the Dolphins a couple weeks ago. As I've been saying, I think they have that Mike Tyson quality. And Josh Allen, <coughs> it's been up and down at times, but uh, <coughs> he's actually leading the league in completion percentage, 71.7%. He's fourth in passing yards, he's third in touchdowns, and he's still one of the five or six best quarterbacks in the NFL. Their run game has improved. Uh, I actually like, what's his name, Khalil Shakir in the passing game, uh, along with Stefan Diggs. Um, Dalton Kincaid got involved uh, in that Buccaneers game, if I'm not mistaken, as yeah. Dawson yeah, Knox. Yeah, game. Dawson Knox is on the IR, so he's gotten more of an opportunity. I like this Bills team. You can make a case for them to be higher. Um, but um, I don't know. I want to see them this week against this Bengals team. Yeah, I I hear you there. I, I, real quick for the Lions, I got to mention, they did pick up Donovan Peoples-Jones from the Browns. Yep. I thought like that was a, a move worth mentioning for their receiving core. That was one of the things we talk about 
um, preseason for them, like just wide receiver depth. So that was a good move, I thought. But um, I had the Bills at at eight, and it really was just between the Lions and the Bills, I thought the Bills have, to me, a higher chance of winning the Super Bowl simply because I think, number one, I think Josh Allen, for them to win a Super Bowl, he's going to have to be Superman for four games straight. And it's not likely, but I think he can do it. Um, He hasn't, for the last, I guess, season of games, you could say he hasn't played up to his standard that he was playing before that, but he's shown it before. And I think with the improved running game, as you mentioned, the um, really underrated improvements at offensive line, Spencer Brown has been, under the radar, very good this season after last season being a bit of a liability. And they improved that guard, of course, uh, picking up um, Osiris Torrance in the first round of the draft as well. So O-line is better. They're they're better on the defensive line just overall, just with the improvements of Ed Oliver and Gregory Rousseau and getting Von Miller back. I still think... um, they can get it done. I still think they can. It's just going to take a lot. There's one other thing about the Bills. They have some big road tests ahead this regular season. They This week they go on the road to Cincinnati for a primetime game. A couple weeks later they're on the road at Philadelphia. Uh, a couple weeks after that they're on the road at Kansas City. And then in week 18, and what could possibly still be a game – that has major playoff implications or maybe even is potentially for the division, who knows at this point, at Miami. So there are some big road tests left. Uh, I think if you could get two of those games, it'd be a major success for Buffalo. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think I, I mean, where you put them in the rankings is up to you. I think they're, they're a Super Bowl team. I think they check a lot of those boxes, but we will see what happens. At number eight, I had the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Look, they have been – when they have been good, they have looked unbeatable. They have been the most dominant team in the league when they have been dominant, if that makes sense. Uh, we, We know what they did the first three weeks of this season outscoring their first three opponents, 108 to 13, which still makes me laugh because that's just ridiculous. Um, One guy I wanted to talk about, and I know you're probably feel the same way about him uh, watching this Cowboys team on a weekly basis, probably more and more so than I do uh, is Deron Bland in that secondary. Was that who you were thinking of? I was as yep, I was talking. Yep. Straight off the um, bat, yep. Third interception for a touchdown. Third pick six is how you should say it. Uh, this year, joining Derek Brooks, who's a Hall of Famer, and Darren Sharper as the only players to do that in a single season in NFL history. But that's just the surface level. I mean, if you dig deeper into what this guy is doing in place of Trayvon Diggs. This year, it's incredible. He's got, according to Pro Football Focus, 
an 89.9 coverage grade, which is first among all NFL corners. He's got three three INTs, all of which are pick sixes, uh, as I mentioned. He's got nine pass breakups, and his passer rating allowed is 7.5, first in the league. So he's been really good. We know this Cowboys. We know this Cowboys team can, you know, generate a pass rush, force turnovers, do everything. They're good, very good defensively. Uh, Dak, I think, has been a lot better the past couple weeks. You got to give him credit uh, when he completes over half, fifty percent or more of his passes on throws ten or more yards downfield. The Cowboys are undefeated this year. They're four and zero. When he doesn't. Uh, it's a little bit of a struggle. Um, so I think they'd be one and two when he doesn't. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like Tony Pollard. I like CeeDee Lamb. He's become a real beast in this offense. I like their young tight ends. Uh, I like this Cowboys team. I think, you know, it, as we've been saying, it all comes down to what they do in December and January. And um, I – I'm excited to see them this week against their division rival, the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, exactly. Um, number number seven is where I had the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I moved them up a little bit further than you did, uh, but it's really because I just view them as – the Bengals team that we've seen the last two years. I, I see them as being completely back. And obviously the road to climb is still not done yet. They still need to like, they don't have much room for error the rest of the season. I, I, I see the top seed in the AFC or one of the top seeds in the AFC being four wins or four losses or less five losses or less. So the room for error is not really there, and they still have some tough games to go, obviously. But um, Joe Burrow, the escapability is back. Um, I mean, it, it's it's not a really a coincidence to me seeing him <coughs> go back to playing, you know, his best game of the season after the bye week. He looks completely healthy now, and same with T. Higgins. Um, I think. You, the point you made about another player stepping up in this offense is completely fair. Um, I agree with it. Um, we saw a little bit more from Tyler Boyd. I think he could do more uh, within the offense as well. I, I, overall, I just think this Bengals team, we shouldn't forget about them. I know I'm, I'm not talking to you when I say that either. I'm, I'm mostly just saying, looking at their four and three record, you're thinking, oh, you know, They've been struggling. They're not quite what they were the last couple of years, but no, they're, they're there to me. The, the eye test, just the game planning, the coaching, the will to win from Joe Burrow. Um, and that's another point. Joe Burrow, it, it looked like the entire 49ers game. He just had that look in his eye. He just, I'm not going to let us lose today. That's just how it felt. Yeah, and something else about this Bengals team that you – people can't forget about is even if they're not the top seed or they don't win this division, we've seen them go on the road in the postseason and win games. Like they're totally capable. And in 
you know, they know how to do that. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to watch that game this weekend against the Bengals, see what happens, or against the Bills, see what happens. At my number seven, uh, I went with the Miami Dolphins. Um, to me, I still need to see it against the top dogs. Um, you went up against Buffalo and Philadelphia, teams that are physical, teams that uh, you know can beat you up in the trenches, teams that have been there, done that. You're outscored by 42 combined points. Uh, now, give them credit where credit is due. They've toyed with everybody else that they've played. And, I mean, they beat the Patriots twice. They beat the Broncos by 50. Uh, they beat the Panthers. They've beaten the teams that they have to beat. They're playing the Chiefs this weekend. I, I know about this offense. It's excellent. I uh, love Mike McDaniels. Tua this year has done an excellent job uh, staying upright. And when he does get hit, he's learned how to – I mean, it was a huge story this offseason. He's learned how to brace himself and protect himself from injury, which is huge because if he remains healthy, this Dolphins team is going to win double-digit games and they're going to be in the playoffs. They might even win the AFC East. I still believe they could do that. He's been excellent, leads the NFL in passing yards, passing touchdowns. I mean, you can go stat after stat after stat uh, when it pertains to this Miami Dolphins offense. Against the Blitz this year, I've, I found this really interesting. Tua, 69% completion percentage, six touchdowns, no picks, and a 119.7 passer rating. He's been elite against the Blitz. So <clears throat> I don't question it. They have – they check the boxes to win a Super Bowl. They, they check the head coaching box. I think they check the offense box, uh, the creativity box. They're getting some players back healthy. Um, that's really the thing about this is they're going to get Javon Holland back, I believe this week, uh, in that secondary. And they just got, I mean, probably you can make the argument that getting Jalen Ramsey back this early on the season, uh, was probably technically the biggest trade deadline acquisition as he made an instant impact, uh, in, in that game on Sunday, that secondary, um, for this Dolphins team now is Xavier Howard, Jalen Ramsey, Javon Holland, uh, whoever else is in. I mean, a lot of talent back there, um, along with, you know, this Vic Vangio operated defense, which right now is kind of middle of the pack in terms of defense, uh, 16th ranked defense in the league. If that, if that improves even a little bit um, and the offense keeps humming, um, Miami's going to be a problem, a real problem in the AFC playoffs. Uh, I, I think they can win a Super Bowl, um, but right now I'm still a little bit skeptical. Uh, they they have the Bills in their division. Um, I don't know. We we will see what happens. I want to see them against the Chiefs. Uh, they can beat the Chiefs. Uh, they will move up in my power rankings. But for right now, I have them at number seven, which I think is a fair ranking. All right. Fair enough. Um, for me at number six, I had my Dallas Cowboys. And um, I think 
a lot of power rankings I've seen this week have had the Cowboys ahead of the Niners. I just, I've said this time and time again. I can't, I can't do that um, yet. I until I see it in the playoffs, I can't rank them ahead of the Niners or the Eagles. Even if we beat the Eagles this week, I'm not ranking them ahead of them. Um, and this week is no different. Um, I do think Dak played his best game all season by far this week. Um, this wasn't just a defensive domination. Um, this was um, obviously the defense played fantastic, but it was really only the first half where they dominated defensively. The second half, the Rams, if you remember, they scored, I believe it was 17 unanswered and Dak had to respond. And he did. Um, and, First and foremost, I mean, the point you made about yards, 10 plus yards down the field, um, I mean, it was really noticeable in this game. Dak was throwing dimes to C.D. Lamb, to Jake Ferguson, getting Brandon Cooks involved. Uh, this is the offense that we want, we've been wanting to see all year as Cowboys fans. Um, I think there's still, you know, little – Things here and there. I'd like to see a little bit more from Tony Pollard lately. He's been a little bit more quiet, but um, when the offense is humming this well, it's not much to complain about. It's just about being patient and seeing it come playoff time. That's really all it is. Okay, for my number six, I had the Detroit Lions. Um, Really, I mean – when you look at this team, they're generating big plays offensively. 35 completions of 20-plus yards downfield, second in the league. Uh, their defense, I know what happened two weeks ago against Baltimore, but their defense is getting teams off the field when they need to. Their third in opponent, third down conversion percentage, only allowing 32% of opponents converting on third down. Jared Goff is in the midst of one of his better seasons in his career. Um, They've surrounded Jared Goff with, I think, an excellent, a good draft class. Many new players, young players in this offense that are making instant impacts. Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs. They don't even have uh, David Montgomery right now. Uh, 12 interceptions to not 12 interceptions, 12 touchdowns to five interceptions through the first eight games. Um, He's evolved uh, with more reps and matured as a player since arriving in Detroit. Uh, I still like this pass rush in terms. If you want to say that the bills have a, have a better chance of winning a super bowl than the, the lines. Yes. They probably do. If you want to say that the Bengals have a better chance of winning a Super Bowl than the Lions, you're probably right. If you even want to say the Cowboys have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl than the Lions, you could make an argument. But I think, you know, they're off to their best start in, in franchise history at six and two through eight games, or at least in a long time. Uh, I think they're a pretty well-rounded football team. I mean, you can nitpick them where you want to. They just acquired. Um, who did they who did they get at the trade deadline? The uh Cleveland. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. Donovan Peoples Jones. A lot of a lot of even Detroit fans didn't really like that for whatever reason. But uh I don't know. I'm, I'm not I'm not he's a Detroit guy, born in Detroit, actually. Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure where that's coming from. Um, but yeah, I mean 
I, I think I've always I've been higher on the Lions um, than most, so I'm gonna stay consistent with that. No, fair enough, man. I I think uh, I mean I can't really argue with any of the points you made. I mean, they're right there. Um, it's really just staying consistent. I mean, I still think there is a line of demarcation between the Lions and the Niners, even the Niners and the Eagles, clearly. Yeah, I, it, it's it's tough to say, um, but I think I don't really hold the Ravens' loss against them as much as other people do, um, just because they didn't have Montgomery. I think the Ravens just – I think they just caught the Ravens on their – their absolute best day, and that's what the that's who the Ravens are. Um, yep. So, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, everything going with the Lions right now is overwhelmingly positive. I think right now it's just about making sure Jared Goff is ready to go come playoff time. Because yeah, if they're going to go deep in the playoffs, you got to get the best version of Jared Goff, and we've seen. Jared Goff go on deep playoff runs before. So I'm not, it's not even the experience card. It's not even the, you know, the, the, them not being capable. They have all the talent. It's just, they have some demons to overcome as an organization. If they win their division, they get a home playoff game, um, and they win a wild card game, even. I think that's a successful year. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Because then you get to the divisional round. It would depend on the matchups and uh, who they play. But more than likely, you're probably going on the road to, say, San Francisco or going on the road to Philadelphia. At I mean, at least at this moment in time. Maybe you're even going on the road to Dallas. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think they need to win. We will, we'll see. That's a conversation for another day. Um, okay, yeah. let's, let's get into the top five. Uh, who'd you have at number five? At number five, I had the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it's, it's hard to gauge where they're at right now. And I'm not, you know, moving <laughs> them down the rankings because I, I have anything against the Niners or what they've been doing, even with the losses they've had. It's more so the teams that are ahead of them, I think, just playing better football at the moment. Um, and, and one team in particular I'm very, very high on. We'll get to them in a little bit. But um, I think for the 49ers, you got Chase Young um, at the trade deadline. That's extremely significant uh, for one because their pass rush has been, uh, I think, 27th in pressures in pressure rate. Something like that. I saw this stat earlier. Um, Nick Bosa has been great um, in terms of getting pressures, but he hasn't been able to, you know, the sack numbers haven't been quite as big as years past, but he's still been fantastic. Um, I think right now, I think it's fair to say the defense misses D'Amico Ryans a little bit. It, do, do you think that's a that's a fair um, observation? I, I I don't know if that's maybe being a little bit too harsh, but to me, it feels like, you know, the defense looked great against 
sorry to go there, but the Steelers of the world, the, you know, obviously the Dallas is a good offense, but they have their warts as well. I, I don't know. It, it, it's a tough one, but I, I still think um, this defense is fantastic, but there's definitely an extra level they can go through, go to. And I think that's probably why they made that move to get Chase Young. Yeah, right now, with the addition of Chase Young, he now leads that Niners team in sacks, uh, coming over with five sacks. So you make a you make good points there. I, I my number five is Jacksonville. Um, I think what we talked about over the off season, and what we've talked about, you know, early on this year when the Jaguars got off to kind of a slow start is. One of our questions, and I think our season preview was, do you get consistently good football out of Trevor Lawrence every single week? Can you get that for a, for a long stretch of football, especially in November and December? Um, can you get that? And right now, um, he's had a passer rating of at least 90 or better in his past five games. That's a career-high streak for him. Um, in his young career, uh, and he's posted a 90 or above passer rating in six of the team's first eight games. So he's playing pretty consistently good football. He's not really lighting up the stat sheet. Uh, and there are still times where <coughs> he turns the ball over, where he probably shouldn't right now in what his third year in the NFL. <coughs> um, like that. That throw that he made in the red zone against Pittsburgh was just, I mean, what are you doing? Um, but all that being said, he's playing good football. Um, you just got to see this consistency on a week-to-week basis. I, I love the versatility that uh, Travis Etienne presents in this offense. I think Doug Peterson is an excellent coach. I think their defense is playing good. Um I mean, they. I think the impressive part about what they did on Sunday against Pittsburgh is not the fact that they held the Steelers' offense to um, whatever it was, 10 points. But, I mean, a lot of the times going into a hostile environment in what are – what is less than ideal conditions as it was rainy – kind of cold, chilly Pittsburgh weather for a Florida team. Um, and they show that they can play in those difficult conditions. They're stopping the run. Uh, they're forcing turnovers. Darius Williams still been excellent for them in their secondary. I think the way that it's setting up, <coughs> excuse me, in their division uh, looks pretty pretty good for them we'll see what happens with tennessee we'll see what happens with houston but right now sitting at six and two uh and they're winning on the road too like they've won in they won two games overseas and they've won like four four straight road games or one of the best teams in the league dating back to uh late last year and i know last year doesn't really factor into this year but i think with lawrence playing consistently good football with Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, got to keep those guys involved. Uh, they did, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, 
they added Ezra Cleveland to this offensive line at the trade deadline, which I thought was an underrated addition. I mean, when you look at what he's done in Minnesota, he's allowed only one sack in his last 366 pass-blocking snaps. He's been really good, really solid, younger player uh, that they can use on this offensive line. I think it will help them there. Um, And Trevor Lawrence uh, has been excellent throwing the ball downfield this year. 20 or more yards throwing. He's got five touchdowns, no picks, and 98.3 passer rating. Uh, uh, He's got the best PFF passing grade in the league on throws 20 or more yards. So I I probably gave Jacksonville maybe a little too much credit for what they've done lately. You're right. There's still room to grow uh, in this offense. But – you you like you gotta like what you're seeing and i think um that's really the scary part about it is they really haven't uh yeah touched their peak offensively and when they yeah, do that, that that's that's really the thing i think um you could argue that travis Etienne is the best running back in the asc as well i definitely. mean there's i mean there's a lot there um and trayvon walker you could, you could also argue hasn't hasn't even touched the surface of what he could be as well. I think, yeah, I, I, I have, I didn't really disagree strongly with anything you said. Um, there's definitely arguments to be made. I think that's the beauty of this episode we do every week. And yep. this is really the first time that we've really both gone in a completely different direction with our rankings. So this is interesting for sure. Uh, but for me at number four, I had the Miami Dolphins. This is where I had the Dolphins. Um, now, as for you know your point about seeing them play the elite teams and and beating those elite teams, I think that's completely fair. I think um, for my rankings personally, I think I I gave them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because they were missing two offensive linemen against the Eagles, yep. Teron Armstead and very true. Uh, their guard, but you know that, I mean, you got to show up against the good teams. Injuries are a part of the NFL and I definitely see your side of it as well. So um, to me, the seeing Jalen Ramsey do what he did this past week, force a fumble, get an interception and allow zero yards, uh, albeit against the, anemic New England wide receiver court, but still um, it, it's, I, I think that's the most exciting thing about the Dolphins right now is you're yep. getting healthy. You're getting Ramsey back. You're going to get Xavier Howard back soon. Presumably um, I think Jalen Phillips has been quietly very, very good. And I think still has a level to go up to, um, Bradley, Bradley Chubb, to me, has exceeded expectations. I think um, this defense is still learning an entirely new system under Vic Fangio. And I think um, if we get to, you know, week 12, 13, they're still kind of a middling group, then then I'll, I think I would, you know, struggle to rank them this high. But as for right now, um, I'll, I'll give 
Mike McDaniel and that, that coaching staff the benefit of the doubt for now. Fair enough. And I, I struggled with whether or not I wanted to bring up the point of, well, you know, they played Philadelphia and they played Buffalo and they got, I mean, they really got throttled in the Buffalo. They got gashed. Yeah. Let's be honest. But in that Philadelphia game, they were actually tied up at one point, 17 all right. Am I correct yep. on that? Yep. Um, so when I hear, you know, casual fans in college football make these arguments about, well, this team got blown out by this team, but, you know, or they struggled against this team. I mean, really at that point, you're kind of just like, I don't know. It, it sounds a little snarky to be that way, I feel like sometimes, but I think it's a it's a go either way thing. I think I I could see them as high as three. I could see them – you know, as low as around seven or eight, where, where I kind of have them right now. It's just kind of a feel thing at this point. Yeah, almost exactly. Almost midway through the season. Um, the, the NFL is crazy deep, man. Yeah. Yep. <coughs> oh, okay. I, I move. So I've had the Niners <coughs> at number one, I think the past three times we've done this episode. Um, I moved them down to four for this episode. Five and three, they've lost three straight games, <coughs> like a lot of other teams in this league. So it's not exclusive to the 49ers. They're, they're, they, they have some injuries that have directly kind of corresponded with this losing streak. Missing Trent Williams, who's kind of the <coughs> leader of this football team, or one of the leaders, and missing Debo Samuel, I think, takes a chunk out of that offense. Missing those two guys, not ideal, right? Um, I think they're supposed to get Williams back maybe this week and supposed to get Debo back, or he's on track to come back next week. So, well, they're on a bye this week. So maybe they get both players back next week. I think their bye comes at kind of a good time for them. Uh, try to get some guys healthy, regroup a little bit, um, and go from there. Um, Kyle Shanahan's been pretty damn good off bye weeks in his career. Uh, they did acquire Chase Young. You have to acknowledge that. They just keep on going out to get as many pass rushers as possible. Um, and Chase Young's a guy that <coughs> I would argue is having the best year of his career um, so far. He's uh, He's got a career-high pass rush grade. He's got five sacks, which actually now leads this 49ers team, believe it or not. <coughs> Imagine saying that after week one or week two. The yeah. Niners are going to acquire Chase Young going into week nine, and he's going to lead their team in sacks. I wouldn't have really thought that. Uh, 40 pressures generated through eight games uh, and an 18.4% pass rush win rate, which is a career high for him. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, I think there are things you can nitpick defensively, especially the last couple weeks. Uh, I mentioned, I think, in – our raw rundown episode that they really haven't been uh, tackling as well in the secondary. They really haven't been as aggressive in their secondary. Um, the pass rush, they're, they're getting pressure, but they're not getting home like they usually do. Um, and it's just kind of a combination of things of kind of the defensive lines getting pressure, but they're not finishing plays. And then that sometimes leaves the secondary 
in a not so favorable <coughs> favorable position. They played some better quarterbacks over the last couple. I mean, they played some good teams over the last couple of weeks. Um, some good defenses. Brock Purdy, I think, is still. I don't think there's a reason to panic yet. Um, as I think you would agree, and many others would probably agree as well. He's still doing the things he's been doing. He's just had some untimely turnovers um, in the red zone. And um, I think with the with some time to regroup after this bye week, get some guys healthy, I still think this Niners team, top to bottom, has the best roster in the league, up there, right up there with Philadelphia and Kansas City and all those other teams. Um, and I think coming out of the bye week, we'll, we'll see – Maybe not the Niners team that started off this year 5-0 and and was absolutely dominant, but we'll see a Niners team that kind of gets back to Niners football. Uh, something uh, There was a stat that I wanted to bring up about Kyle Shanahan that, that's pretty uh, fascinating. I found it pretty fascinating, but I'll have to find it, so maybe we circle back around to that at the end of the show. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting conversations surrounding the 49ers for sure, um, and um, coming to the season, I had mentioned their depth as being one of their very few weaknesses. And I think I would attribute some of the things that have happened the last few weeks to that as well. Um, very underrated, but they lost Samson Abukum. They lost Charles Amenahu. They lost some of that, you know, defensive line depth. They lost some of that ability to rotate more guys in and out when they need to. And I think that plays a factor as the see as the weeks go on, and you know this is a, a grind of NFL season. It, guys are beat up, maybe, and that's probably that probably plays a part in it as well. But moving on, for me at number three, I had the Baltimore Ravens, um, and I'm guessing you probably have them in a similar spot as well, as seeming as you haven't mentioned them yet either, but. Man, I mean, I, I love this team. I really do. And I've, as this season has gone on, watching them on NFL Game Pass with my, with uh, watching the, those full games back, I mean, there's really not much to dislike about this team. I mean, early, early in the season, you could say they're, they weren't finishing their close games, but you can't really say that now. Um, I mean, Lamar has been untouchable. And now that the receivers are catching the football, the defense has continued to be dominant. And, and this thing is this thing is rolling now. So, um, you know, last week, you I mean, they only won by seven against the Cardinals. But let's be honest, that game was really not that close. And they it seemed like they kind of slept through that one. And it said, well, slept walk through that one anyway. Um, but. Man, that Ravens team, they are legit. Their defense is borderline elite, I think. If not, it, it is elite. Yeah, right do there. We have, do we have a chat? Uh, let me see. Uh, Number one in scoring defense. Eleanor Nixon says, keep up the good work. Mac Acevedo says, that's really low for this jet, for the Jags, man. I don't know who you're talking to. Um, Mac Acevedo oh, says, be. best offense of all time is not a crazy statement. He's a Dolphins fan, so I'm assuming he's referring to the Dolphins. Um, must win against the Chiefs, though. 
I mean, all fair points. Um, not going to argue with any of that. Um, my number three is also Baltimore. Going back to what I was saying before, um, I think their defense is borderline elite. Since they acquired Roquan Smith last year, they – I mean, he's totally changed the dynamic of this defense. He Since in the 17 games he's stepped on foot or he stepped on the field for this Baltimore Ravens team, they're first in yards per play allowed, they're first in points per game allowed, and they're first in yards per game allowed. Uh, they're first in a lot of categories. Uh, and through eight games this year, and this is a Ravens franchise that – as I probably know very well, and a lot of people know very well, they've had some great defenses early in the 2000s, those Super Bowl teams with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. And I think there's a 30-30 out there about that Ravens team back in the day. But uh, through eight games, they're allowing 15.1 points allowed per game, best in their franchise history since 2006, 176 yards allowed through the air, best since 2005, and they're allowing 4.2 yards per play allowed this year. That's their best since 1999, and that ranks first in the NFL this year. Geno Stone in that secondary, five interceptions, leads the NFL. Um, Roquan Smith, I mean, he's doing it in the passing game. He He's been the leader of this defense. We talk about Owe Adafe. We talk about the guy, Justin Matabuke, whoever you want to mention in that front seven. They're getting pressure. I think they lead the league in sacks with 31. At all three levels, they have playmakers, and their defense is one of the best in the league. It's right up there with Cleveland in their in their same division. Um, they're, I mean, there's a lot of good defenses in today's game, but they're playing as well as anybody. And they have a quarterback that is playing at an MVP level, period. Um, I can go through all the stats, but I'm not going to waste your time. Um, I don't know what you nitpick about this team at this point. Yeah, I, the, the last point I'll make is Mike McDonald, their defensive coordinator, is very, very quietly – um, putting in, putting, making a case to be a very sneaky head coach candidate this this uh, head coach cycle, in my opinion. I mean, he's brought those college concepts to the NFL and brought in kind of a mixture of both NFL style defense and college style defense, and I think it's, I mean, it's worked beautifully. I mean, you can't, you can't really, um. I don't know. It, it's it's been great so far. Everything that he's done. Really interesting next couple of weeks for Baltimore. They, they they get Seattle at home this weekend. Next week, the week after, they get Cleveland at home, so a divisional opponent, <coughs> and then they get Cincinnati at home. So they have a streak of three consecutive home games where they're playing Seattle, Cleveland, Cincinnati. If they win those two divisional games, they could really take kind of a chokehold on this division. Um, then to finish up the season, it gets a little tougher later in December. They got to go on the road to Jacksonville. They got to go on the road to San Francisco. They got to play Miami, <coughs> um, New Year's Eve, uh, Pittsburgh. Um, th there are some tougher games coming up on this schedule, but the way their defense is playing 
in the way that Lamar Jackson is playing, they can win all those games. Um, and they're a team right now that I think is – you can make an argument at least. They're the most well-rounded team in the AFC right now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, number two, I had Kansas City. What about you? Yep, I had Kansas City also. Um, you go ahead and go first. I want to hear what you have to say. George Karloftis on that defense playing really well. He's uh, generating pressure. <coughs> Look, I still believe in Mahomes. You got to put him up there because they have Mahomes. And at the end of the day, um, with Reed, Mahomes, Kelsey, Chris Jones, this young secondary that's excellent, those young linebackers who I think are really good, this defense, which has been one of the best in the league this year in a lot of a lot of different categories. Uh, I guess the only question right now is <coughs> some of the struggles offensively, especially late in games. It's weird. They're, they're last in the league, I think, in uh, points per game in the fourth quarter, uh, or they're near the bottom of the league in that category. It, it, they've had some struggles, but Sunday – Mahomes was, I think, under the weather. He wasn't himself. Those two interceptions, he arguably had the worst game, worst game statistically at least of his career, but he still made those plays that you just go, okay. I mean, yeah. The important third downs in the playoffs, the important red zone downs in the playoffs where you got to have it, he's going to make that play. And you got to, you got to take that into consideration when you're doing these this type of thing. I mean, it, it's still it, – it's the beginning of November. This is kind of where the weather starts to get a little chillier. Um, it, it really starts to get heat up after Thanksgiving. But I guess my point is just like in the playoffs, who's not to say that this Chiefs team isn't in the Super Bowl again? in February. Yeah. And the, the thing I'll say is this defense isn't a good defense. It's, it's, it's past that now. It's, it's a great defense. Um, it's squarely a top eight unit, top five unit, top seven unit, um, somewhere in there. But I think the, the thing I failed to mention on Monday's episode that I wanted to mention is, um, there, there is a looming cloud starting to grow above their heads, and that is that is the wide receiver problem. And, you know, people point to the fact that they won the Super Bowl last year while primarily being a rack offense. We'll run after catch and short passing and just efficiency, that type of offense. But in the NFL – I mean, it's called not for long for a reason. You got to continue to evolve. And now these teams have a season, a full season and a half of film of this Chiefs offense where they're throwing underneath the Kelsey, throwing underneath the Kelsey and just spamming that over and over. And I think um, this Broncos game in particular, for one, you got to give credit to Steve Wilkes, but this is going to be one where the Bengals, the Ravens, the Dolphins are going to look at this tape of this game and be like, 
we can do that. Uh, I think that's that's the cloud hanging above their head right now. And I'm not saying they can't overcome that because they can and they probably will, but they got to figure that out. Um, they got to be able to get vertical passing game. I think even last year, um, they, it wasn't like this. Like they they had those deep throws to Marquez Valdez-Gantling and Justin Watson and occasionally Juju. Um, but this year, it just hasn't been that way. Yeah. No, I mean, all fair. Um, number one, Philadelphia. Simple as that. Right now, yep. they're se- they're seven and one. Their run defense is suffocating. They're first in the NFL in rush yards allowed per game with sixty five and a half allowed per game. Where you can kind of nitpick them a little bit is their secondary ranks twenty fifth in passer rating allowed. It it hasn't been all that great this year, but at the same time, their quarterback. And I've, I've said this multiple times. What do you do as a quarterback when you're trailing in the NFL? When you when you know you have to throw, when you got to throw more often than you run. Uh, when you're tight, when Jalen Hurts is tied or trailing this year, he's completing 73% of his passes for 1,400 yards, 13 touchdowns, no picks, a 118.7 passer rating. Um, A.J. Brown is a man possessed. Um, he's second in the NFL in receiving yards right behind Tyreek Hill. Uh, he's having an excellent year. Um, I just like this. I like this roster top to bottom. I think right now that they're, they're the best team in the NFC. They haven't, I don't even think they've played their best football yet, which is scary. Yeah. Every year. I think there's, there's a wide receiver that, um, gets into, you know, that level where you're just like, you can't, you can't do anything with them. And right now, AJ Brown is there and probably Tyreek there. Tyreek Hill is there as well, but AJ Brown, man, I mean, six straight games of 125 yards or more, um, breaking Megatron's record. I mean, that's just ridiculous. I mean, even as a Cowboys fan, I think you could make the case that, you know, he's the MVP of the league. Through, I mean, this outside case, not, I mean, he's not going to win MVP because it's a quarterback award, but yeah, you could make the case. He, I mean, he's just been ridiculous. And I never really saw him that way in Tennessee, which is weird. I, I saw him as, you know, kind of a Amari Cooper level of receiver, like a like a really good second tier number one wide receiver. But he's so much more than that, man. It's it's unbelievable. The next cup let me see. Next four weeks for the Eagles. Five weeks for the Eagles. Listen to this. Cowboys at home. Chiefs on the road, Bills at home, Niners at home, Cowboys on the road. Yeah. 
And there's a bye week mixed in there. So I guess it's technically the next six weeks. Um, and then they finish with the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens. But, I mean, they could win four out of five, all five of those games. Probably not going to win all five of those games because that's not how the NFL works most of the time. Uh, if they could win three out of those five games, they'd set themselves up in a very good spot. I think they're probably going to split with Dallas. Uh, I don't know who wins what game, but I have a feeling they'll split with Dallas. The Eagles-Niners game will be <laughs> an excellent game. So will the Chiefs-Eagles game in that Bills-Eagles. I mean, all of those games will be excellent football to watch. Um, so we're right there at an hour five minutes. Any parting shots? Um, a couple things. Um, okay. Number one, I think looking back on how both of our rankings turned out, I think I would probably have the Jags a bit higher for sure. Probably up in the five to eight range, I'd say. Um, but number two, one thing I didn't mention earlier when you were mentioning Deron Bland is one of the little nuggets, little storylines, I guess, is um, Deron Bland was picked with the fifth round pick that was acquired in the Amari Cooper trade. Which interesting. When that trade was made, everybody was like, "Why would they trade him for a fifth round pick? That's a nothing pick. That's a bench player." And then look what happened. I mean, I think that just goes to show you, I guess, um, the draft is the draft is weird sometimes. And I think for me as a Cowboys fan, that gives me a little bit more faith in what they're, what the front office is doing in general, uh, just with the drafting that they've been able to do these past few years. My parting shot really has nothing to do with football. Um, Every episode now, I'm going to – we're going to have a – I'm just inventing this on the fly. We're going to have a poll. And the poll might have nothing to do with – or a question of the day. Um, okay. The poll, yeah. the poll might have no, – the poll or the question, whatever you want to call it, might absolutely have nothing to do with what we're talking about in that particular episode. Um, so my question to start us off – Little fun question here that I've been thinking about ever since the last out in the World Series was had by the Texas Rangers is drum roll, please. Who on the Texas Rangers gets the most drunk and or hammered during the Rangers World Series celebration tonight? Interesting. <laughs> I did not think that was where you were going with that. I thought I thought we were gonna I thought you were gonna go into like the uh uh names for trophies argument that, or or discussion we had earlier. <laughs> but that that's an interesting one. Right off the fly, I'd probably say I'd probably say Nathaniel Lowe, because I feel like with the stash, I feel like he looks like a dude that could that could you know, throw down a little bit. Uh, but I don't know. 
that's interesting you say that because I asked a couple of my good um, <coughs> college buddies who from Arlington are big Rangers fans. Uh, right as the World Series ended, I asked them who's going to get the most hammer on this team tonight during this initial run of the World Series celebration. Of course, they'll probably have the parade later on this week or in the next couple of days, and they'll keep celebrating throughout the next month or two into the winter time uh, and into next season as they have the right to do so. Um, they said Josh Lowe as well. That was the first name that came out of their mouths. Um, another name that came out of their – another name that came up was Evan Carter. Um uh, he kind of looks like a guy that could that could get up there. Um, and don't sleep I, – I said don't sleep on Mad Max Scherzer. He's been here many times before, and he yeah. can put he can put him <laughs> back. He can. I was I was thinking that also, but I was I was also thinking he's probably he's probably already high on painkillers, to be honest. But that's probably a, a dark thought that I shouldn't be thinking anyway. I think Scherzer is gonna have some fun. Uh, for sure yeah i don't know if i if i see Corey seager as a big as a big uh <coughs> i don't know i think because he's a two-time world series mvp he's gonna all these guys are gonna have fun tonight all of them are going to have probably a little too much to drink at points in times during this world series celebration uh i think chapman as big as that guy is Probably can put him back a little bit. Um, this is a weird question, but yeah, I, I, had, I had to put it out there because it came to my mind. Um, and if you go to Twitter right now, you can watch the videos of some of these guys who are already only like less than two hours after this game ended. Already uh, pretty gone. So uh, I mean – I already, already, I, I thought of the Nuggets when when you said that also, and we all know who won that debate, <laughs> Mike yep. Malone. Yep, <laughs> Mike Malone by far. Yeah, he but, was. Uh, yeah, yeah, bro was gone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyways. Um, well, the questions will vary. Sign us it, off. The questions will vary, and we'll alternate every episode. The person who gets to come up with the question for the day, we can alternate that. So I did it today. Okay. Yeah, you can do it on dit hole on tomorrow or Friday, whenever we're going to do that, and then we'll have maybe a live stream on Sunday. So keep an eye out for that. And then the the NBA in season tournament starts Friday, so maybe we'll yeah. start <coughs> our in season NBA stuff next week. With all that being said, though. It's almost midnight. Thank you guys for tuning in to what is this? Our fourth or fifth bi-weekly NFL power rankings. We we went a little bit <coughs> of a different track tonight, um, but it was a fun conversation. That's why we do this thing. Yeah. Um, so, congratulations to the Texas Rangers, and just like the chances of the Texas Rangers being sober right now, we are. The Texas Rangers and their fans being sober right now. We are going, going, gone. Peace out. Peace. Shout out to Nelson Cruz, bro.
Cowboys on Sunday night. We are going, going, gone. Peace out. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets.